0: Well, again, we're glad you are here with us this morning. I want to invite you to follow along today with our notes that are found found on the Riverbend app. So if you haven't downloaded the Riverbend app, I want to encourage you to do that. You'll find them under the section called Sunday Essentials. And today we're going to actually be in Ecclesiastes chapter two as we continue our teaching series called Chasing the Wind. And as we think about what the book of Ecclesiastes is talking about, and as we think about what it is that it's seeking to help us to have. It can often sound very depressing at first glance. But really, King Solomon, who had the greatest wealth, the most wisdom, had so much going for him, is really trying to dissect his own life and then take those lessons to help us to understand how fleeting those things are without the proper perspective about them. It reminds me of my son, Ray Velarde. My son, Ray Velarde, what Ray loves to do is Ray, my son, he loves to take a candle, and that's already lit, so he doesn't light the candle, just in case you're wondering. And he says, light the candle, light the candle, light the candle. Oh, I love it, I love it. The candle's lit. It's awesome. And then he wants us to blow the candle out, and he tries to catch the wind. Catch, catch the smoke here, right? He's like, it's like what Solomon says, it's like catching the wind. Life is like that. And again, again, this idea, (laughs) it's like, hey, and I think it's a picture of life, right? It's like, hey, there's this candle and then it goes out and there's this smoke and we're trying to get it, but you can't hold on to it. And I think without the proper perspective, we can live life like this. And beyond just the picture and the image of of having the candle lit and my son blowing it out, and he can do this all day. He loves this. He loves to do this again and again. Light the candle. We're like, oh, this is such a nice ambience. And then I'm like, all right, we're supposed to keep the candle lit, right? Like this is the, we do it. But again, I think it's a powerful picture of what Solomon's getting at, which life can feel like that. And we can lose perspective if we're not careful. It's not to say that life isn't a gift and that people aren't a gift, but it reminds me of what Martin Luther King Jr. would say. He would say these words. He would say, Lord, help help me to see. Help me not to be chasing the wind, not trying to just hold the smoke of life. Help me to see. Help me to have your vision, your perspective for my life. I want to see life as you see it. I want to pursue what it is you've intended and created me to pursue. Lord, help me to see. And as we think about this idea, I want to help us to really unpack that with this next part, which is simply a question, how do we get the proper perspective about life? How do we do that? How do we get a proper perspective about life? We can say life is fleeting It's like a a vapor. It vanishes like smoke. And I don't know about you, but I've just heard recently of so many people passing away. And you're just reminded about how fleeting life is, how short it is. And it doesn't discriminate based on age even. We're seeing people who are younger, people who are older. But we don't want to lose a perspective about life in the midst of what it is that we're experiencing. So how do we get the proper perspective about life? I have found this song of late really helpful in making sure that I'm not losing perspective. It's from uh, this guy named John Mark McMillan. And he uh, writes a song and sings a song called Juggernaut. And he describes life this way. He says, life is heavy But it won't, it just won't stop. Life is fragile, but it won't give up. It cries for us. Listen to the voice of your maker. Hear the one that calls. And I just love this imagery. And sometimes we need art to help us to be able to to sit in what it is that we're experiencing and seeing in life. But this song has been just really helpful to me because it is heavy, life is. It is fragile. And yet, it's crying for us to listen to the voice of our maker, to hear the one that calls, to hear the one that calls. Because again, life, life is so fragile. And we think it's going to be here forever and ever and ever. And it's lighting and it's lit up. And yet, the things that we've built our life on, the things that we've pursued, if we're not mindful of the way life is meant to be, we're just continuing to chase smoke and come up empty to what it is we were created and intended for. Listen to what King Solomon would go on to say. Again, we're in Ecclesiastes 2 about proper perspective in life. It says this, Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly, What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. And so Solomon's really getting perspective. He's saying, Hey, listen, there's wisdom, there's folly. Wisdom's better, and yet the same fate is true for the wise and the fool. And again, he's not discounting the power of walking in wisdom, to have God's perspective, to have the foresight to see God's way of living. But he's saying, hey, all the things that I've worked towards, they're going to actually go to somebody else. And I love this comparison of light and darkness, you know, that light is the, the path of wisdom and, and darkness is the life of folly, a life apart from what God's created us for and intended us for. But then he goes on to say this, then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, what's this word here? Let's say it out loud together, this phrase, one, two, three. This too is meaningless, for the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. I mean, there's nothing like coming into 2022 to hear a pep talk, right? From King Solomon, right? Get us pumped up, (laughs) get us fired up, like, yeah, yeah, you know. But again, I want you to understand he's dissecting life. And so he's not done, but it's important for us even in our own life as we look at life to not lose sight of what really is. And he's just stating a fact here. The fact that he's saying is that the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? Because verse 16, he says, For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. And so as you look at what he's getting at, there's a couple things here. First is this, the fool and the wise will be forgotten. The fool and the wise will be forgotten. I mean, you think about it, even in your own family story, right? You think about your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents, right? There seems to be like, hey, this is your own family, and you don't know those names. The further back you go, the less likely we are to remember even our own family. And I think where he's really getting at, and I think it's what's important for us to not miss, is that we often chase a life where we seek to be seen as important. And our desire to be important, our desire to show our value and our worth can cause us to chase the wrong thing if we're not careful. Because Solomon, who had everything and who was really, really not only famous and wealthy and wise, he's saying, hey, even in the midst of all that I've accomplished, I'm gonna be forgotten too. And so what he's getting that. And what I don't want us to miss is to not lose sight of the importance of being faithful with what is in front of us. Who's in front of us, what's in front of us, and what God has created us for. And we're going to hear him talk more about that in just a few moments. But then the other part of this is that the fool and the wise will die. That's a fate for both of them. So they'll be forgotten and they will die. They have this in common. They have this in common. And as I think about even this last several weeks, I know of six different people with close proximity, whether it's through a friend who's lost a loved one. I know in our community alone, there are three men who have lost their fathers over this last several weeks. I know for me, I lost my grandfather. My grandfather. On my dad's side, he passed away. And then Amy's cousin passed away. And, you know, it's just a reminder. It doesn't matter if you're full or, full or if you're wise. Not that we shouldn't pursue wisdom, but we don't want to lose the perspective that we will be forgotten and that we will die. So we want to have the right perspective. And we need to understand this because at the end of our life, this is going to be true of us all. This is going to be true of us all. This is universally a truth that Solomon is communicating. And Satan happens to us all. It doesn't matter if you're a fool or you're wise. This happens to us all. That we're forgotten and we will die. But he continues on here. He says, so I hated life. Thanks, Solomon. Thanks for that, right? You're like, okay. (laughs) He's like, man, I, I hated life. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me all of it meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who, what? What does he say? Comes after me. I'm having to leave it to somebody else, the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This, too, is meaningless. And so you start hearing this this grief that he's experiencing as he's coming to terms with life. He has this, this grief that he's describing. He's, you know, I hated life. I hated all things I had toiled for under the sun. And part of it was realizing Hey, I don't know who it's going to be left to all this that I've worked for. Whether it's going to be a foolish person or a wise person that's going to inherit it. Again, he's coming to terms that life is like my son lighting and seeing the candle lit and saying, It's just like smoke. I'm trying to catch it, but I can't. It's an effort and a, a, a an effort in futility and a, a focus in futility when we try to live that way. And this is what he's getting at. But as we continue on here, he says this, so my heart began to despair. Have you ever felt despair? Have you ever felt a a time in life when you're looking at life and circumstances and it's like, man, what is the way out? It's tempting for me to do that with our HVAC thing going on in the kids area. You know, because I'm like, how many... How long, Lord, right? How long? How many times, Lord? How many calls? How many many HVAC guys are going to come out? How long, Lord? How long, right? And that's a little less serious than some of the things you're experiencing or I've experienced. But it says, His heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. Then they must leave all they own To another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. And you're like, man, Solomon's describing my work environment right now. Hey, thank you, Solomon. You're describing exactly how I feel about my job and about the labor that I'm doing. Again, all their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Again, Solomon's just saying, hey, I'm I'm holding up the candle of what life is And all the things that we pursue, and as I pursue it, and as I go towards it, as I look at my life and I look at the lives of others, I'm seeing it's vanity. It's meaningless. It's just chasing. But I can't. I can't contain it. I can't contain the smoke here. And so as we think about that, I want to ask you a question. And it's simply this. Do you despair as you look at life? Because again, we wanna have a proper perspective. Again, first, the first thing is we're gonna be forgotten. The second part of that is we're all gonna die. And then as we make our life about what we do, all that we possess, whether that's wisdom, whether that's pleasure, whether that's wealth, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. All of a sudden we realize it's gonna go away. It's gonna evaporate. It's like smoke here. And so my question for you, as you look at life, as you come to terms, as you look at what it is, do you despair? Do you despair as you look at life? And what's the remedy for that so that we don't just stay in despair, but that we again have the proper perspective? Because throughout this, Solomon is seeking not only to dissect life, to make sure we have an understanding of the things we're pursuing, but the way forward as well. Because he doesn't end here, thankfully, praise God, right? Because like, you're like, oh man, what is, what's the hope here, right? <laughs> like, this doesn't sound like a very hopeful message. This doesn't sound very encouraging. I'm all about proper perspective and honesty, but where's the hope? What's the hope? Because in Jesus, there is hope. And I want you to hear what Solomon goes on to say. He says this, A person can do nothing better to eat and drink And find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases him. God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And so what Solomon says, as you hear this, he says, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. In other words, to understand the gift of the daily provision that God has for us, that God meets and ministers to us in the daily. This is what Jesus prayed and talked about so much Give us today our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. Let us not lose sight of how you're caring and providing. He says, hey, if he takes care of the birds and the lilies, how much more will he take care of you? And he's saying, hey, don't lose sight of how God is providing and taking care of you. And to find satisfaction in one's toil is this idea that we would see the gift of work but we wouldn't get so preoccupied with the past or the future or becoming important in the eyes of others that we would lose sight of the gift of what's right in our hands. This is actually part of the way we cure our anxieties, is to be where our feet are planted fully there. And again, this is not to say that we shouldn't plan or pray about the future or any of that, but it's to say, let's not lose sight of the gift of the day. My friend who helped start Riverbend Community Church, Ryan Nepp, who was on staff here, and then went on to become the executive director at the YMCA in Nazareth. Him and I were talking about the cure for anxiety, and some of the things he discovered in his own life is he said, you know, I realized as I was reading through the book of Ecclesiastes how much the book of Ecclesiastes gives perspective not only about life, but about being fully present in this moment, not be so caught up in controlling outcomes or the pressure to have an inordinate sense of responsibility about my life, but rather to join God in what it is that he has for me and to be fully there, fully with the people that he's put into my path. And I think as we look at that and we hear that, it seems so simple, but if we're gonna have a proper perspective about life, some of the simple things that Solomon's saying and Jesus himself would say are really to enjoy our lives, to see it as a gift as we walk with God. Because this comes, as he says, it comes from the hand of God. You know, we're we're intended to live in light of what God has provided, what's from his hand. We're to join him hand in hand. And as we walk with him, as we walk with him, it says that he gives wisdom knowledge and happiness, wisdom from his perspective, the knowledge that we need to understand how things work and are intended to to go, happiness, this shalom, this deep-rooted peace in our lives that we all long for. These are the ways in which we not only experience life in God, but we have a proper perspective. So as we Think about what Solomon says here. A couple things I want to give to you. First, successful living is enjoying food and drink and finding satisfaction in your work, work, which is from the hand of God. I love this because it's so simple. And again, that doesn't mean that God doesn't have something specific for you, a specific call, an assignment that's going to change. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm saying, though, in order to even discern and determine that, we need to be a people that are enjoying— All that God is and all that He has for us, and to find satisfaction in the work that He has given to us. And He may change that work. He may give you another opportunity. He may give you another job. Awesome. Praise God. But I think so many of us, we're waiting for the next opportunity that we never fully engage in the opportunity right in front of us. That opportunity could be that you are in the medical community, you're a teacher you work in the IT world, you're a plumber. I mean, the list goes on about here in this community of those who are doing all kinds of work, but it's from the hand of God. God has given you skills and abilities and a mission to join him on. And it's beautiful when we understand the simplicity of what Solomon is getting at because it takes that despair, that pressure, to somehow make something of ourselves, rather responding to what God himself has done for us, taking his hand and joining what he has for us. The next part of this is whose hand are you holding? Solomon makes it clear. The other way to live is to not enjoy life, food and drink, and not to work with our hands and to grab a hold of the hand of God. We can chase and hold on to the wrong things, the wrong relationship, the wrong view and perspective about our possessions, the wrong wrong ideals that are, are leading our lives, these things that are taking us down a path that are apart from the way that God has created and intended for us. So whose hand are you holding? What is the thing that you hold on to for security? You know, when I think about holding hands, you know, I've been married 18 years. Uh, January 3rd, we just celebrated 18 years. There's something about holding my wife's hand. You know, those early days, it was even more special. You know, that first time, oh, this is so sweet, you know? And then as you get more accustomed to it, you're like, oh, wait a minute, like your hand gets sweaty at times. You know, I don't know if I like that, you know? But in the years to come, there's something still precious about it because it speaks of intimacy and closeness. In the same way, we're intended to hold the hand of God. So what is it that we're holding? Whose hand are we holding? What hand are we holding? What's the thing we're looking to for security and value and significance? Because this is all that Solomon is addressing. Whose hand are you holding? The next part of this is, will we hold on to the hand of God? Will we hold on To the hand of God, because he's offering, he's extending his hand to you. And that's been perfectly demonstrated when Jesus left his home with his heavenly Father and with God the Spirit and came to earth and entered into the story, moved into the neighborhood, became full of grace and truth, and then held out his hand to us through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, and ultimately. On the cross, his hands were extended. And his hands were extended for you, and his, his hands were extended for me. He has made a way. He has made a way for us to address the things that we pursue, the brokenness that we look to, to remedy the brokenness within us, these things that are unable to. He's made a way. He's made a way for us to look at these things that we have that are good, that we've turned into a God thing and say, God, I recognize that I'm living in light of a life apart from your way and your will for me. I wanna change my mind, I wanna change my direction, and I wanna join you in what you have for me because you've created me on purpose and for purpose. He's inviting you, he's inviting you to hold his hand in the darkest days, that diagnosis that you've received, you don't have to walk it alone. He wants to walk with you. He wants this community to walk with you. There's power in coming together and to be pointed to who this Jesus is and what he's done for us. So will we hold on to the hand of God? That's a question that we daily have to ask in our own life. And what will we do? Will we come to him? Will we recognize him for the one who's the giver of all good things and is the giver of our lives? So will we hold on to the hand of God? The next part of this is, how will you steward what God has put into your hands? Because God has given you so many things. Your gifts, your talents, your story, the pains in your life, the gains in your life, meaning the things that you've gained as good things. He's given you all kinds of things. The job that you have. I mean, even think about this. On this Sunday that we're talking about perspective, even the things that we take for granted, like running water, so we can flush a toilet. Right, it's 2022 in Allentown, PA, and we're like, "Wow, we can't flush the toilets here." These are all these gifts are from God, and not to miss and lose sight of what He's given to us. But how are we going to steward it? Because we're not meant to just hold on to it and hoard it. We're meant to use it to be about. Jesus in his way and to build his kingdom here on the earth, to follow in the footsteps of a man like Martin Luther King Jr. Because Martin Luther King Jr., for all that we know about him and all that we celebrate about him, one of the things that we can't miss is that he was about Jesus in his kingdom. And that expression looked very specific for him. And we share in seeing everybody as image bearers of God. We can share in that work. We can share in that work of being about God's justice and his ways for sure. But then we all have a specific assignment that he has for us. Will you step into that? How will you steward it in 2022? Because we're all called to be stewards of it. And we're not called to become a famous servant, we're not even called in ourselves to produce fruit. Jesus, at the end of the day, is looking for faithful servants. Faithful stewards. So at the end of the day, when we stand before him, he will say these words, well done, good and faithful servant. That is what I'm talking about. And this is the life that he's called us to. So again, will you let the one who gives the light be the one that you come after? The one that the Moravians would say, when you look at the light of Jesus in the Moravian star, it was a picture of how darkness could not overtake it. Because the light of Jesus is greater than the darkness of life. Even a little light of Jesus overtakes the darkest of nights that we find ourselves in. And even the despair of what it is that we could look at life and say, hey, I've, I've lost sight and lost perspective. We can come back to him. Because his light, doesn't blow out. His light keeps shining. His light is the light of life. His light is what reveals the way to have the proper perspective and to join Him in what He has for us and what He has done for each and every one of us. I want to invite you to the light. The light that doesn't blow out. The light that does satisfy the light that's drawing each and every one of us into this new year of 2022. Let's pray. Father, right now, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your light. We thank you for your invitation. We thank you that you've made all things new, and you are making all things new. And We know that it's a now and a not yet. (laughs) We know we're awaiting to be fully restored, but we get to be a preview of that coming day. And I pray, Jesus, that we would do so. I pray, Jesus, that we would draw close to you. We would lock eyes with you every day, that we would love you, God, and love people and live sent and be stewards of what it is that you've called us to, Jesus. And for each and every person that's here, Father, I pray that we would have the proper perspective about our lives and that we would hold your hand, God, because you're extending your hand to us and that we would walk with you, that we would work with you, that when we're eating or drinking or laboring, whatever we're doing, we're doing with you and to you. And Lord, I pray for those who are yet to put their faith and trust in you. I pray the day would be the day of salvation, that they would put their trust in what you, Christ, have done for them. We love you, Jesus, and we're grateful for the good and perfect gift that is found in you.